Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Seamus Murphy and today I spent the morning at the Nitrate Vulnerable Zone meeting in Haddington in East Lothian. That meeting was facilitated by Craig Bothwell and Mary Jane Laurie. Uh, I'm joined by them now and they're going to tell us a bit about the meeting. So Mary Jane, would you like to introduce yourself first of all? Yep, so my name is Mary Jane Laurie and I'm a consultant based in the Edinburgh office at the Bush Estate. Uh, we cover the Lothians area, so that includes part of the uh, Lothian and Borders NVZ, so we do quite a lot of NVZ plans in this office. Yeah, my name's Craig Bothwell, uh, in the same office based in Edinburgh, uh, mainly covering West Lothian and, and East Lothian uh, today. So I think we should start by maybe going over what was covered in the meeting today. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Today we were joined by 35 farmers in Harrington and we looked at all the NVZ rules and regulations. So we focused on what we need to create a NVZ plan for each farm and we focused on the record keeping and all the pieces of information that farmers have to have at hand in order to pass an NVZ inspection and be compliant with the NVZ rules. What are the main requirements for creating an NVZ plan? Okay, so there's four main things that you need. Uh, the first one is the RAMS map, so that's your risk assessment map for manures and slurries. The second thing, it's called the Livestock Manure Loading Limit, and that's a limit of 170 kilos per hectare of nitrogen. The third thing is a calculation of slurry storage, if that applies to you. And the fourth thing is an NMAX calculation for all the different crops, and we can go into those in a bit more detail later, later on, but the whole NBZ plan uh, needs to be completed for the 1st of March each year. The RAMS map, the easiest way to do it is to print off one of your farm maps. The old uh, IAX maps that came in with the blue boundary are the best ones to photocopy rather than the aerial photograph maps. Or alternatively, you can print it off on the Rural Payments website if you log in. You can print off your farm map. What you need to do is colour in the different zones. So there's different rules. So you have red for no spread zones, orange for high risk zones, yellow for moderate risk and green for low risk and there's different um, requirements for each of these things. So your red areas are no spread within 10 metres of water courses, within 50 metres of wells or boreholes. Orange is your, your high risk area so that's sort of steeper ground, slopes over 12 degrees. Areas that you might be a bit concerned about spreading slurries in, in if it's less than ideal conditions and yellow is moderate risk because that's most of your farm I would have thought would be yellow, some of it orange and the odd red bit around watercourses, things like that. The other thing you need to mark on is if you've got any farmyard manure heaps you need to put a little cross so what I do is I put a wee cross and then a date next to it and that needs to move around every year so it's important to mark that on your map every year otherwise the colours don't really change year on year so you should be okay once you've done one farm map. And the final thing, any non-eligible areas that you wouldn't claim for your basic payment, then you need to just leave those white. So things like your steading, that's not part of your RAMS map, just leave that area white. A couple of scenarios I was sort of thinking about to help farmers generate the, the RAMS map. Uh, the, the, the scenario I had in, in my head was maybe a field that I'm uncomfortable spreading uh, farmyard manure on in weather condition predominantly due to the slope in the field. How would I be categorising that under my RAMS map? That's probably going to be high-risk field, so you're probably going to colour that orange, I'm assuming, if the slope is greater than 12 degrees. In the NVZ guidance, there is a little diagram that helps you work out this, the slope of your field. If you think it's more than 12 degrees, I would colour that in orange, and you would, as you say yourself, if you, if you know if you're uncomfortable yeah. spreading, it's a bit of common sense. If it doesn't feel right um, ground condition-wise, then you would avoid spreading at that time and wait for dry ground conditions. 
And in contrast to that, I'm thinking the field below that is maybe a flatter field that uh, that's that's pretty flat next to the river uh, and the watercourses. What are the sort of things I need to be considering uh, when categorising that under my Rams map? That's probably going to be a moderate risk field, so I would colour that yellow. I'm assuming it's got some sort form of artificial drainage, so that means that it is moderate risk rather than low risk. If there's any form of artificial drainage, it, it automatically goes into the moderate category. Um. And alongside a river or any watercourses, you want to leave a 10 metre red strip of no spread. And that would be from the top of the water bank rather than from the water itself. So just be aware if there is a river or something, go from the top of the bank, measure your 10 metres, uh, no spread on there and mark that as a red line on your map, your arms map. So continuing on with, with farmyard manure, uh, the easiest thing uh, for a lot of farmers to do when spreading uh, farmyard manure in that field is to store the, the FYM on the, the flatter areas of that field. So I wouldn't store it on any high risk area or any uh, no spread area. So any of your red and orange areas on your map, avoid citing muck heaps, just for the risk of runoff really. There was a lot of talk about slurry and farmyard manure at the meeting. Uh, is there a limit to the quantity of organic manure that I can apply to a field? Yes, there's a, a limit for each field of 250 kilos per hectare of organic nitrogen. You want to look at what manures you're spreading and work out how much you're allowed. So for farmyard manure, for cattle farmyard manure, for example, it's 40, it equates to about 40 tonnes per hectare. So that's per field. It's really important to note that, that it's per field. And what's the time frame involved in that 250 kilogram limit? That's a rolling calendar year. So depending on when you apply your first load, the following year you need to make sure that you're more than 365 days after that if you're reaching your 250 kilo limit. In reality, most people won't be applying 40, 40 tonnes per hectare of muck one year and then to the same field again the following year. But there might be some instances where you're using compost, for example, where you might be getting close to those sorts of limits and there is additional rules for compost as well. So just be aware of the 250 kilo per hectare limit and make sure that you're following the rolling calendar year rule. There are rules for pig slurry. You must have a minimum of 26 weeks storage and all other slurries is 22 weeks worth of storage. Most farms in NVZs now will have that amount of storage. There's been quite a few grants in recent years that have allowed people to expand their storage to make sure they've got sufficient to meet those regulations. If a farmer was to want to want to calculate that figure of how many how many weeks storage that he had, the information that we have to be looking at was number of livestock, uh, livestock species, and then there's some lookup tables in the MVZ guidance to see what their weekly production of excreta is, uh, and then the sort of thing that you'd be doing after that would be to work out the dimensions of slurry storage, uh, whether that's underground slats or uh, outdoor towers, and bearing in mind to take into account the freeboard, uh, the 300 mil freeboard, which is compulsory on outdoor uh, slurry tanks. I think it's maybe different for uh, lagoons, and. You would also need to be considering the rainfall figures if they were outdoor uh, storage facilities. And the other thing that you need to consider when applying uh, organic manures with high available end content is the time in the year because there are uh, closed periods involved for spreading uh, organic manures with high available nitrogen content. These can be found in booklet 2 of the NVZ guidance. Um, the sort of dates that you'd be looking at are the closed period for grassland on all other soils would be the 15th of October to the 31st of January and on arable land, 1st of October to the 31st of January. So within these two dates on other soils, you can't be spreading uh, slurry. And on sandy or shallow soil, 
on grassland, the close period dates are the 1st of September to the 31st of December, and on other land, i.e. that not grassland, the close period is the 1st of August to the 31st of December. There are some caveats involved with that, being that on that particular one, the 1st of August to the 31st of December on other land, applications are permitted up to and including the 15th of September if a cereal crop is sown before that date and also up to the 30th of September if that land is to be sown with oilseed rape, a catch crop or cover crop before that date. The other thing you need to be wary of is the quantitative restrictions which apply four weeks prior to the commencement of the relevant close period and from the day following the last day of the close period until the 14th of February you are restricted in how much these organic manures you can apply for slurries, the quantity of restricted maximum is 30 metres cubed per hectare, and for hen pen and the likes, it's 5 tonne a hectare. There's quite a lot of rules and dates to remember there, so as Craig said, the best thing probably is to look it up in the booklet too. It's got all those dates laid out in a, in a sensible table that you can sort of look up. When we're talking about slurries and manures, the farmyard manures, there's no closed periods, is there? So No, not at all. They're not They're not under the same rules for, for yeah, spreading. So, so that applies really just to your high organic nitrogen slurries. So it's slurry and henpen really is the main main thing that covers, isn't it? Yeah, another thing to, to, to bear in mind is those uh, digestates from anaerobic digestate plants. They are high available in uh, organic manures, so they are subject to the same closed periods as well. As well as the rules for NVZ dates and application rates, it's also uh, important to be aware of the GEEK cross-compliance regulations. So when you're spreading any sort of slurries or manures, there are cross-compliance rules to adhere to as well. That fits in with the same no-spreading areas, you're 10 metres from the top of a watercourse bank. But the other thing to be aware of is you're not supposed to spread on frozen ground, waterlogged ground or ground covered with snow. It's tempting when there's a good hard frost to go in and spread muck or slurry, but that's actually not a great time to be spreading it uh, for the environment. Moving on from the organic manures and spreading, the next thing you need to be wary of is the carrying capacity that each farm has. So there's a loading limit of 170 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, which each farm within the MVZ area has to abide to. What Craig's just said, the, the livestock loading limit is 170 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. So we covered that in a bit of depth today at the meeting. The easiest way to work that out is all the nitrogen produced by grazing animals and any animals that are stored um, inside over the winter that are producing farmyard manure or slurry and any imported manures and slurries. So it's the total figure for all of those things put together spread over the entire farm area bill that's eligible for spreading. In terms of your eligible area that you were talking about, the question that arose today was that were you able to use seasonal land in your 170 kilograms a hectare uh, loading limit calculation. Uh, so the answer, answer to that was no. The only way that you can use uh, land that isn't yours is if it's on a uh, lease of more than two years in an agreement. Otherwise, that ground cannot be used. The fourth and final thing that you need for your NVZ plan is the NMAX calculation, which isn't the most straightforward thing to work out. So we spent quite a bit of time going through that today with people. There's a few. I broke it down into a few steps just to make it a bit easier. The first thing, stage one, is you gather your field information, so you need to know the size of your field, obviously, the previous crop, any planned crop, and the soil type. So that'll give you a previous crop gives you a residue group, which is one of the first things you need. You can then use the NVZ tables in the look in the lookup tables in the guidance 
either using the paper booklets or if you use the software like Planet Scotland, it will work out for you, which makes it a lot easier. Grassland NMAX is much the same, it's just slightly simpler. You need to determine the site class. So for that information, you find those in the NVZ guidance as well. Then you use the lookup tables to determine the nitrogen requirement depending on what you're using your grassland for, whether it's grazing or cutting. There's different recommendations on how hard you're grazing it or whether it's silage or hay. And similar to your arable crops, you then need to take off any manure application. So if you were putting slurry on, you would need to allow for that in the calculation. The NMAX is for your whole grassland area, regardless of what you're using it for, whether it's grazing or silage. So that makes it slightly simpler. And there's a different uh, NMAX depending upon how many times you're cutting it. So the N NMAX is split between two and three cuts of silage, which is one uh, NMAX, and in comparison to a single cut of silage and or hair grazing and, uh, and, and grazing with, with high and low coal. You mentioned the soil type there, uh, Mary Jane, if you weren't 100% sure what the soil type of the field was. Uh, for the NVZ purposes, it's split into uh, sandy soils, shallow soils, other mineral soils, peat soils, and I think humus soils. If you weren't sure where to get that information, if you go onto uh, gov.scots website and use their search function for NVZ soil type maps, there's a map for each of the individual uh, NVZ areas and you can see on a field-by-field -field basis what the soil type is within that field. The next stage for working out your NMAX is to account for any livestock or other organic manures that you've applied, whether that's your own or anything you've imported, and deduct the crop available nitrogen from the requirement to give the balance that can be applied as bagged fertiliser. So that's important to make sure it's the crop available nitrogen, not the total nitrogen. So you deduct that and that will give you an NMAX figure. The NMAX figure is per crop type, not per field, so it's slightly different to your other rules which some of them relate to just per field. The NMAX is worked out on a crop basis, so if, if you've got five fields of spring barley, your NMAX is for over five fields. So that's good because it does allow you to put a little bit extra on one field if you wanted to, if you felt it needed it, but you would need to allow for that in other fields to make sure that overall you weren't going over your NMAX limit. You can adjust your NMAX for higher than standard yields, but we'd always advise a bit of caution with that because you need to be able to prove that you have had higher than average yields for the previous three years. What the department look for for that is yield information from your combine yield monitor, weighed trailer load records or sales invoices detailing tonnages and dry matter. So if you are going to increase above the, the standard average yields, it, it's worth just making sure you've got records in place that can prove that to allow you to put extra nitrogen on. Some examples of NMAXs which uh, to, to work out is uh, winter wheat following winter wheat. So it's a previous crop is a cereal, the soil type is other mineral soil and it's getting a standard yield of 8 tonnes a hectare uh, for the wheat. So the NMAX for that would be 200 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare. Uh, a similar scenario but that field was following winter oil seed rape. That brings the nitrogen residue group down to residue group 2 which means that there, you then can't put on quite as much nitrogen if it were following a cereal. So that's not back 10 kilograms to 190 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare. Again, as we said, you are able to justify extra yield through rainfall, uh, higher than average uh, rainfall for the winter, or um, through higher yield uh, adjustment, but again, exert some caution. So when you were talking about applying nitrogen fertiliser there, Craig, to different winter wheat crops, I mean, there are closed periods, are there, aren't there, for, for applying artificial fertiliser? Yeah, there's closed periods, uh, and that's dependent upon where you are in, in Scotland. 
Uh, Murray Aberdeenshire, uh, Bamford and Buchan have got their different uh, close periods to all the other MVZs. Uh, so on, on the whole, most of the MVZs on grassland, the close period uh, starts on the 15th of September and closes on the 15th of February. Uh, and on other land, i.e. arable land, the close period starts from the 1st of September to the 15th of February. For Murray, Aberdeenshire, Banff and Buchan, the close dates uh, end five days later, so the grassland ranges from the 15th of September to the 20th of February, and the other other ground uh, is the 1st of September to the 20th of February. That was a really comprehensive look at the rules and regulations uh, when it comes to the NVZs. But there was also another area that we looked at during the meeting and I, fe- I thought that the farmers attending were really interested in it. And that's kind of the most common mistakes that, that you guys are finding in the NVZ plans and the most common things that the department seem to be finding. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, one of the, the easiest things to do and often the, the first thing people don't do is the RAMS map. You can actually get penalty for not having a RAMS map. So it's really easy to do. Print it off once. As I say, it shouldn't change much year on year other than where you cite your muck heap. So we did. We actually did a colouring exercise today where the farmers were colouring in a mock farm just to practice to make sure that they got the, the no spread areas marked on there. So we did that today. Um, so that's really important that you do that. The other common error is the NMAX breach, and that can be due to the fact that the plan hasn't been followed or understood or an incorrect NMAX has been uh, generated uh, for that crop type. So it's one thing you need to do is make sure to start with you've got the correct NMAX uh, in place for each crop and to make sure that your the applications that you're putting on these crop types aren't exceeding that NMAX. Uh, one of the issues can be not accounting for all your organic manures uh, either that, whether it was cattle FYM or slurries or, or digestates, and not using the correct uh, readily available nitrogen figures within the guidance. So uh, that's one thing to make sure you're accounting for all your, your organic manures. Another thing that people tend to do without realising is perhaps apply artificial fertiliser within the closed periods. There is quite a lot of dates for that, which we've run through a little bit today. We went through them quite a bit at the meeting um, just to try and reinforce them. As an advisor, I still always look them up. If you're in doubt, look it up. Phone the helpline just to make sure, or phone the department if you're unsure of the dates. It's an easy one to write down in your booklet and, and, and do it wrong. Uh, so that would, that would be a penalty for that one as well. So just double-check the dates. Further thing that we've been hearing from the local office is that uh, there's not sufficient evidence to support that yield increment that we've been talking about earlier. Uh, or in actual fact the market increment which you can uh, justify additional nitrogen on some crops. So in terms of the yield uh, increment what you need to do is you need to have three years worth of yield records in order to justify that you are only able to to grow crops over the standard yield. This can be through uh, weighed trailer loads, it can be through receipts and uh, lines from the purchaser of the grain uh, or oil seeds and the other thing you can use is your combine yield monitor. What you need to be sure of is you need to be sure that that combine yield monitor is uh, weighing accurately and that all, of, that all your uh, paperwork has been corrected down to 15% moisture or 85% dry matter uh, so that that is a fair uh, comparison of your, your yield that the, the farm has potential to grow. The other uh, potential slip-up is use, using the market increment on winter wheat. So, uh, 
if you've got a melon variety and you have a signed contract, you are able to put on an extra 40 kilograms of nitrogen in some situations. But the key thing to stress there is that you have a signed contract in that because if the inspectors come, you can't just say it's a melon variety. You have to have a signed contract in place to, to demonstrate the, the, the other 40 kilograms of nitrogen is allowable. Similar to the close periods that I was mentioning there for applying artificial fertiliser, Another thing that could cause you to um, have a breach of your NVZ rules is applying organic manures with high available N. Craig mentioned the dates earlier. Those are available in booklet two, so you can look up. I would always double check that you've got the dates right. And the other thing to be aware of is the quantitative restrictions, which we mentioned earlier. So the four weeks prior to the commencement of the close period and up until the 14th of February. Just double check those. The other common error found uh, in inspection is that records not actually matching the NVZ plan, so it's worthwhile uh, before you're going to go and spread your fertiliser and or organic manures, uh, make sure that the application rates on fertiliser types that you're proposing to put on are not going to exceed your NMAX. We also got some questions from the floor today and I took note of some of these and I'm going to put some of these questions to you. Where are the restrictions and where you can put field middens in an NBZ? The main thing to be aware of is that you can't site them on your no spread areas, so that's within 10 metres of the top of a bank of a watercourse or within 50 metres of a well or a borehole. You also can't site them on high risk areas, so that's any of the areas that you've coloured orange on your, your map, so it's with slopes greater than... 12 degrees and any areas that you would be uncomfortable spreading muck on, you certainly wouldn't be wanting to cite a muck heap on those. Yeah. Do these rules apply to all types of livestock? So they were specifically interested in horses? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, there's look-up tables again for horse horse manures and the amount of nitrogen that they produce, so you should be accounting for horses in your NVZ plan. And how do you work out how much muck your livestock will be producing? Well, what you need to do is you need to know exactly how many cattle are on the farm in any day. So what uh, what the opportunity to do is take a monthly total of the livestock type. Uh, these are split up into different ages. So, for instance, for cattle, it's split up between zero and three months, and uh, the next bracket up is three to 12 months, and then going on for that, the, the increase as you go along. So you need to have a monthly figure for each of these. You take an average at the end of the year and then there are standard figures of uh, the volume of excreta produced for each animal and the uh, age type. And you can multiply them up to get a total tonnage of uh, FYM and muck. One of the questions was uh, there was a farmer who asked, does he have to go back and redo his NVZ plan if he applies something that he hasn't factored into his NVZ plan? Yeah, he would need to redo his plan. He needs to make sure that his records are matching that his, his plan that he did at the start of the year. So if his plan at the start of the year didn't include, I don't know, say hen pen going on a field and he ended up applying hen pen, we'd always recommend going back and double checking the NMAX before you get to that point. Check the closed periods and dates as well. If those are all okay, you then need to make sure that your plan is amended so that the records match what you've actually planned to do. So yes, in that situation, I would always cross-check the rules and then amend your plan. What are the rules for a sloping field? So again, this goes back to the rules for your RAMS map, which is your risk assessment for manures and slurries. So you should assess the slope of a field if you're concerned that you feel it's a bit steep. So anything over 12 degrees, which is a one metre increase in height for a five metre distance, there's a little diagram in the, the guidance of which actually helps you work that out. But you want to work out whether your slope is greater than 12 degrees. And if it is, you would class that as high risk, which means you can only spread manures or slurries in ideal conditions only. So it's a bit of common sense as well. If it's a really wet day, there might be a risk of runoff from spreading manures and slurries on a steep 
hill such as that so you would avoid doing it and wait for dry conditions. What, what rules apply if you're in grassland and you're planning on ploughing it up the following year? Yeah so for grassland there are different uh, residue groups if you're sowing wheat after grass what you need to do is you need to look at the lookup tables and see what category or what residue group your grass fits into uh, so they're cra- classified into sort of a one to two year uh, low nitrogen lay uh, and at the other end of the scale there's a sort of thick permanent grass uh, lay so you need to judge where your age of the grassland lay is and whether or not it's been a low nitrogen or a high nitrogen uh, crop that the grass has been getting uh, applied on. Okay. So the final question we got, yeah I have a farm that's split, some of it is within an MVZ zone and some of it is not. How do the department inspect that? So firstly the farmer needs to uh, determine what the split is. So if you go into the rural payments website you can see on a field by field basis which fields are in the NVZ and which fields are out the NVZ. Uh, it depends how you want to deal with it but what you need to make sure you're doing is only calculating the NMAX for those fields within the NVZ. The other option what you can do is if you're finding that there's a lot of cattle and your cattle are actually on the NVZ and you're spreading the muck for them on the non-NVZ, you can do an export in your livestock N170 kilogram category and you can export the, the muck that they generate whilst they're housed to the non-NVZ ground. And very finally then, where can people find the information on NVZ rules? If you go to the gov.scot website, there's a section in there for NVZ guidance in Scotland. Uh, there's booklet one to nine can be found can be found on that website, and that gives you all the rules that we've been talking about today uh, from booklets one to nine and some blank tables and advice on record keeping and uh, calculating your NMAX etc. That's great. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Mary Jane. For more information about the meeting today and more meetings that will be taking place through the Farm Advisory Service, you can visit the Farm Advisory Service website at www.fas.scot. Thanks for listening and we trust you found that very useful.